I just want to talk about one thing right off the top here. And that's this. The narrative that continues that Georgia hasn't played anybody every time they play somebody is getting old. It's actually fairly fairly tiring, really. If you're going to constantly rank teams before they play Georgia and Georgia dismantles them, and then you want to say that Georgia hasn't played anybody because, oh, that team's not as good as we thought. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe that team is as good as you thought. Georgia's just so much better that it doesn't look like that team is. Let me look back. Georgia playing Clemson. Georgia was number five in the country. Clemson at the time was number three. Yes, Clemson is not a good team anymore. We've realized that. Defensively, they're good. Offensively, they're not. Georgia still won that game. At a time, they thought Clemson was a good enough team to be number three in the country. Georgia dismantles UAB, so be it. South Carolina, so be it. Vandy, we know what that is. At the time, they thought Arkansas was the number eight team in the country. Arkansas was undefeated. They've gone on not to win a game since they played Georgia. Georgia broke Arkansas, just like they broke Clemson. I fully believe that. But at the time, Arkansas was still considered one of the top ten teams in the country when they played. It's not Georgia's fault that when they played, Georgia was so much better and Arkansas was inferior in comparison that Georgia beats them 37 to nothing. That doesn't mean Arkansas isn't a good team or wasn't at the time that they played. They may not be now, but at the time, they anticipated them to be a top team in the country. That's why they were ranked eighth. So this has value to it. Georgia, when they played Auburn, they felt like Auburn was the number 18 team in the country. And Georgia still did their job there, winning that one 34-10, beating a team by 24 points. They thought Auburn was good enough to be in the top 25 at that time, top 20. And they continue to do that after Auburn won this past week. So let's not say that Auburn's not a good enough team to play and be considered good when Georgia played them if you're going to put them in the top 20. Kentucky only falls a few spots after losing by 17 points. But at the time, they were considered the number 11 team in the country. If you're going to dismiss it as Kentucky's not that good of a team, here's their flaws. Absolutely. They do have flaws. Georgia has their own flaws. But guess what? Maybe Georgia is just so much better than all of these teams that that is what the actual conversation should be. It's not that, oh, Georgia hasn't played anybody. It's that Georgia has played people, and the people they're playing, they are far, far better than. That's all there is to it. So let's stop this talk of Georgia's not playing anybody. Georgia's playing people but nobody can play Georgia. That's what the narrative needs to be. So let's make that change off the start. Let's start the show. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. It is Dog Talk with your host, Holden. Hope everybody's doing good today. Glad to have you guys here with me. A little bit nasally today, but we're going to try to get through the best that we can. Again, glad to have you guys here with me. A lot to go through. Huge game this weekend. Big matchup. Um, but let's start it off like we always do. On Twitter, make sure you guys go and follow me there, at DogTalk20. I would appreciate that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you hit that rate and review. If you don't mind, give us that five stars. That would help out a lot on YouTube. Do have the video back up and running today. Uh, if you guys don't mind... Uh, go and subscribe there. Like the video if you guys are watching it. Also go to the website as well, dogtalkpod.com. Spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G, talkpod.com. Just the way that it's supposed to be. Huge game this weekend. was very exciting uh, to see it. 
uh, dogs taking down Kentucky 30 to 13 at the time. Kentucky being ranked in that top 25, really right outside of the top 10 at the number 11 spot. We're going to go through here in just a second the, uh, see if I can get all this stuff pulled up real quick, the top 25 because it did drop just a little while ago. And we're pinking everything out this week uh, for, or this month, excuse me, for breast cancer awareness. So going to make everything be pinked out. Top 25, let me get it pulled up here on my other screen so that way I can run through it for you guys. Georgia stays in that number one spot right where they're supposed to be. And I'm glad to see that because that's where Georgia should be and should have been all this time. Again, just, just glad to see it. Uh, proud of the dogs for continuing that work and continuing to stay exactly where they should be uh, in and at this time. And again, that's in the number one spot. And it's undisputed. 63 votes to be in that top spot. Nobody else getting that vote, especially after number two, Iowa, went down last week. So that's awesome to see. Uh, so, But running through that top 25 really quickly here, Georgia obviously won. Cincinnati does bump up to that number two spot. Kind of cool because Cincinnati is who Georgia played in the Peach Bowl at the end of last year. Now to see these two teams at the top spots this year, it's, it's just kind of a wild turn of events, I guess you could say. Behind them, number three, Oklahoma, after they get a quarterback change that really made the difference so far, uh, finding themselves in that three spot. Alabama does find themselves back in the top four. They're in the four spot. Oklahoma, or excuse me, Ohio State at fifth. Michigan, six. Penn State at seven. Uh, Oklahoma State at eight. Michigan State at nine. Oregon, 10. Iowa, 11. Ole Miss, 12. Notre Dame, 13. Coastal Carolina, 14. Kentucky, 15. Wake Forest at 16. Texas A&M, 17. NC State at 18. Auburn jumping into the top 25 there at 19. Baylor also hopping in at 20. Uh, up a couple of spots is SMU at 21. San Diego State at 22. Pitt coming up in that 23. UTSA, how about this? Undefeated 7-0 in the 24 spot. And then Purdue coming up after beating number two, Iowa, jumping into that number 25 spot after not being ranked last week. So that's your top 25. A little bit of shakeup in that. Some of the kind of fun things, I guess, looking at some of those shakeups. Seeing there's some of these teams that are undefeated staying in there, jumping up and doing other things like that. Let me get on our screen. I'll get the Georgia schedule pulled up because I did I did actually go in and, and update that. <clears throat> i got to slide myself over here on the webcam just a little bit. Again, not exactly the way that I want to do it because my other camera's still not working, but it, it, it is what it is. We're going to have to work with it. If you guys are watching on YouTube, trying the best I can again. Little little under the weather, but we're going to make this thing work. We got a lot to get into, and I'm excited about it. The dogs, again, to the game here, 30 to 13. That one was at 3:30 on CBS. Fans showed up, showed out, did a great job, made a difference in the game, uh, and I was really glad to see that. Some of the injuries that we were talking about coming into this one, and one that happened after we recorded the last time. Matter of fact, it happened, I believe, right after we did. Um, but some of the injuries, we did get Jamar Salyer back. Didn't see Chris Smith come back into this one. Didn't see our wide receivers in Jermaine Burton, Marcus Rosemey, Arian Smith, Dominic Blaylack, excuse me. Didn't see them come in. Didn't see Kenny Mack get back in or a mere speed on the defensive side. And JT Daniels obviously wasn't the starter. Since the last time we talked, Tyke Smith, and I know I tweeted this, did go out with an ACL injury. He will be out for the rest of the season. Unfortunate for him after he was battling an injury last week and then this happens in practice at the end of this past week we're looking to get him back and it was very probable that he was going to be back in this game and unfortunately that just did not happen 
uh, and he will now unfortunately be out for the rest of the season. So prayers up to Tyke in his pro progress trying to get back next season. Uh, some of the other news was just talking about game day in SEC Nation, and I'll be honest with you, I really didn't actually watch very much of game day, I, which I was out and busy with other things, but kind of wild to have seen, again, both of those being in here. Um, but that was kind of our injury front. Uh, and it's, again, just unfortunate for Tyke. Let's just continue prayers up to him. And let's uh, – that's, that's really the news I have because I know we talked about our recruit that we got uh, Oscar Delp last week. So we don't really necessarily have to talk too much about that. So I tell you what, let's go ahead and jump straight into the ball game. Great game against Kentucky. Dogs taking them down 30-13 to 13 coming into this one. Again, this was the first time that two SEC teams entered, SEC East teams entered this game with 6-0 records. So that was kind of a cool thing to say. And you knew at the end of it, one team had to come out 7-0. And it does become your dogs, which we were glad to see. Dogs, the only team left in the SEC undefeated. The only team in the SEC that is undefeated. And it's your Georgia Bulldogs, ranked number one. It's the first time Kentucky's been ranked 6-0 since 1950. That is no more. They are now 6-1. and And this is also the first time since then, that same season, they finished 11-1. and Kentucky's on track to finish that exact same way uh, coming into it. Key players that we talked about for Kentucky was Will Levis at quarterback. He did a good job. Chris Rod, we're going to talk about that in a minute when we get down to the third down dogs. Wondell Robinson on the receiving side, and sure enough, Josh Ali did not play for Kentucky coming into this one. Let's talk about Will Levis starting off. I'm going to talk more. I'm going to talk about Kentucky to start this thing off, and then we're going to jump into our dogs, the thing that you want to hear the most about. Will Levis came into this one, 32 for 42, had a really good percentage in this, and 192 yards, two touchdowns, rushed the ball 10 times for 12 yards. For the most part, the dogs did exactly what you need to do. We contained Will Levis. Only, didn't even let him throw for 200 yards in this game. And also uh, did get two touchdowns. One of those is controversial, which we're going to talk about kind of coming up to it here in just a minute. But Will Levis had a QBR of 85.4, so looked pretty good in this one. Again, only had 10 incomplete passes. No turnovers for either team, which I thought was kind of a strange and not really strange, but kind of a wild thing because I know Kentucky in some in some cases has kind of been – on the downside of that. Uh, so we thought we might actually be able to come into this game and get more out of it. I was trying to see if I could find some of our – trying to really remember how I wanted to look at it. I know I went through last week, and I think I kind of compared our stats and how we compared up coming into this one and how Georgia was giving up five-and-a-half points a game, which that's obviously going to change. I'm going to get it pulled up here so I can go through some of that. should have already had it pulled up, but I'll get it for us here in just a second. But how Georgia and Kentucky kind of compared coming into this game, uh, and they were very close. Both teams, again, very close coming into it. Um, I think Georgia was scoring 38 points per game coming into this one as well. And I've got some of the stats. Again, I'm going to get them pulled up here for us so we can compare based off of how this game went this past weekend. So you guys just stick stick with me here. Still right now, Georgia scoring 38.4 points, so it went down just a little bit, which is 15th in the country. Now giving up 6.6. .6. So that, that went from 5.5 to 6.6, .6, and we're still first on that one. So we're still doing good there. 
still first in a lot of categories as far as the defense goes. Anyway, in the end, Georgia still ends up ranked really highly. Kentucky offensively, 28.4 points a game is where they average now, which is 67th. Defensively giving up 19.3 points a game. That moves them to 24th. So Georgia did kind of change up some of that as far as for Kentucky goes. But what a great game. What a great game that we had. Again, jumping back into some of the stat lines, talking about Kentucky here. Uh, Chris Rod, he did lead, oddly, uh, Kentucky on the ground. Seven touches for seven yards. Actually, I think Cavassier Smoke really led with 14 yards. Not much better with five touches. Kind of wild to think. Then you'd, you also had Will Levis in there. who He did rush the ball ten times for 12 yards. Wondell Robinson got 12 receptions for 39 yards, one touchdown. That's about as good as it got for Kentucky. Looking on their defensive side, I guess we could look at some of that. Josh Paschal, he was their leading tackler with four. Stetson Bennett only got sacked one time on the night, which was really good. And that's another thing we're going to get to when we talk about it in a minute. That's enough of Kentucky, though. Let's talk about Georgia because Georgia was the – they're the guys to talk about after what Georgia was able to do in this game. Starting things off offensively for Georgia. Stetson Bennett, 14 for 20, 250 yards in this game, three touchdowns through the air, two of which two of which go back to the big guy in uh, Brock Bowers. Five receptions, 102 yards with two touchdowns. Again, the receiving leader for the Dogs is him, and he keeps it going. James Cook did have a catch. On the night, a 19-yard touchdown reception. Also carried the ball six times for 51 yards. Amir White carried it 12 times for 46 yards and a touchdown. Uh, then Kendall Milton did have one big 35-yard run that could, I mean, was just inches away from being a touchdown run as he was flying up the line, thought he was going to be loose, just did step out of bounds, and that one ends up going to him being out of bounds in that one. But he now leads as far as the longest rush for the for Georgia this season. Uh, I believe was him in this one, and I can make sure of that for certain just to make sure I didn't get it wrong. But last I looked was he led that. Yeah, because Cook's longest run was 25 yards, and then Zamir's touchdown run was 24 yards. Kendall, yeah, 35 now with lead because Stetson had been leading the rushing category, which is weird as far as length on a pat, on a run at 30 yards. So Kendall takes that over four touches, 33 yards, because he did get tackled for a loss a couple of times. In this one. But again, crazy thing is Brock Bowers receiving the leader again with five touches, 101 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, if there is ever a time to talk about Georgia throwing to the tight ends, it's now. And I mean, you got Oscar Delp that's on the way, which just makes it more exciting to think about having true freshmen this year and Brock Bowers next year being a sophomore, as well as having Darnell Washington back, hopefully healthy next year, and an Oscar Delp in there. Not even talking about on the wideout positions, having Ladd, having AD, having all these guys in the wideout position. And we'll just figure out who's going to stick around next year. I know I put it up on Twitter. How fun would it be to see JT and uh, George Pickens come back next year, which, side side note, kind of funny. I accidentally put it in there as Georgia Pickens, but nobody ever, nobody ever picked up on it. And if they did, they didn't say anything. But – there was a whole lot of back and forth on it. There's a lot of people that don't want it to happen because they think it's going to hurt the recruiting or they're going to it's going to hurt who the guys we have that are here now. You know, I've already said I doubt that Beck sticks around when Gunner comes next year. I I could be wrong about that, but I'd be surprised if Beck 
or Brock or maybe both of them decide to leave if JT was to come back. I don't know that for certain, but it could change things for sure. To me, I look at, okay, JT doesn't have a lot of film. He's got he maybe he's got enough where they think, okay, he's 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 a stud quarterback. He could fit perfectly in this position. But to me, it's like why not come back and and just build on your stats. Now, I know there's always the thought of, well, what happens if you get hurt? And then you can't play for the rest of the year. You get hurt again and you're not able to play next year as much and you still don't get that much film out there. I get that. There's always the risk reward with a lot of it. George to me, he's one that should come back. Just because again, it just puts more stats out there. You you're missing this entire season, so you're not you're not getting a lot of film out there outside of what you've done in the past. I also think it'll help him to build on his career and to continue to develop him to where he will go in a higher ranking when it comes to the NFL draft, at least a higher pick, not necessarily ranking. But I get the blowback as far as what, what JT has, but I don't I don't at the same time if if I'm looking at it, I'm going, okay, if you get JT Daniels back that's nothing but good news. I mean, for us and for the team as a, as a whole, it's all about team. If a couple of guys are going to leave because they don't think they're going to get play time, they don't want to be a part of that team mentality, obviously. Because if you did, you're not worried about that. You'll sit as long as it takes for you to be able to play. Or if you truly just have to play and want to, hey, more power to you. You can go find somewhere else to play. I get it. I understand that. Everybody wants to play as soon as they can. But let's take Stetson for an instance. If he wasn't here, one of those guys would be playing. But he has stuck around and is sitting down and is having the opportunity of a lifetime to be able to come in and play and do the good things that he needs to do to be able to make this team. He is a full-on team player to be able to make this team successful and moving forward. And if those guys want to be a part of that, then they should stick around. If they don't and they want to go make their own name of it, possibly somewhere else, okay, then so be it. Go do it. You can't stop them. But the way I look at it is all that look all that looks like to me is success in the future. Having a guy with experience. Experience is such a big thing in this high of a level of college football. If you got a true freshman that's in there, there are a couple who will come in and they'll light the world on fire and they do a great job in that position. But it it doesn't hurt to have a senior, like a super senior at that point or a true senior, to come in and bring that experience to the table and be able to make your team successful again. Because the way I look at it right now, we are so young on offense that we should continue to progress next year. Defensively, we're going to lose a lot of guys. But there again, we, we put guys in and out. We rotate in and out so much that I think defensively we're going to be fine moving forward as well. So I'm not necessarily uh, concerned too much as far as that front goes. But we do need to talk a little bit about Georgia's defense because that's one of the biggest – Things. Oh, yeah, I did want to pull this up. I need to pull this up for you guys. See if I can get it pulled up here on the screen. It's going to take my uh, the bottom of my little deal out here, but let me put this up for you guys. Boom. Offensive, we continue to chop. We put up 416 yards total offensively. 250 through the air with three touchdowns, like I talked about. 166 on the ground with one touchdown. That was what I wanted to go back and look at was how many yards uh, Kentucky was giving up. And I, I, I'm going to figure that out real quick because this shouldn't take me too long, I don't think, coming up to be able to look at kind of the preview for what they have coming up. And I should be able to see how they compare to who they have coming up, which I think is probably like Missouri. Looking forward, this is where Kentucky adds up right now. 28.4 points a game. They're allowing 19.3. 
this is what Kentucky was looking like. Now this is this is factored into what just happened against Georgia. So it's somewhat skewed because those numbers are already in there. But this is where they look after this. Offensively, they're throwing the ball 196 yards. We're going to talk about that in a minute. They're also running the ball for 190 yards. We changed that a little bit, but this is what they're allowing defensively. Passing yards, 201. We put up 250. Rushing yards, 119, which is very similar to what it was. We still put up 166 on them in that game. So then we jump to the defensive side of the ball, which is what we're going to do here in just a minute. And Georgia absolutely did their job. Absolutely did their job. Oh, yeah, last thing I wanted to talk about before we did that. With Stetson only getting sacked one time and Georgia only having four tackles for loss in this game, we were a little bit concerned about that offensive line to start, especially because we weren't able to run the ball very well. We had injuries on the front, and then even Jamar Salyer going down last week made a lot of us a little bit nervous for that O-line. But the O-line has stepped up and is playing elite football. Two things. One, we're not giving up very many sacks. We're giving up a few tackles for loss in the game. It's kind of difficult to do that 100% to where you're not getting any tackles for loss in a game. But Georgia's offensive line is stepping up in a big way with some young guys that are, that are being put on that front right there and are doing their job and doing it very effectively, not only protecting the quarterback but also opening up those holes now to where the run game is able to put up over, over 150 yards on the ground. So I'm proud of that, and I'm excited about that. Now that we talked about that, let's jump to, uh, again, what I'm calling the third down dogs. This is where we look on that. The defense is elite. That's all you can say about it. The defense is elite. Going back to what Kentucky's giving up here. Right now, Kentucky averaging 196.9 yards. They did throw the ball for 192 yards. I think they were averaging over 200 yards coming into the game against Georgia. Or it may have been the opposite. It may have been on the ground. That's what they were averaging is over 200 yards. 243 total yards is what Georgia held Kentucky to. 243 total yards, 192 through the air. They did their job through the air, just like what it is, exactly what it is given up there. But 51 yards, 51 yards is what Georgia held Kentucky to, a team that's rushing for almost 200 yards. At the time, was probably rushing for 200 yards coming into it. 51 yards. We held Chris Rodriguez, the SEC rushing leader, coming into this game to seven yards on seven carries. Seven yards on seven carries. Georgia's defense, we allow 145, right, basically 145 yards through the air. 62.3 is what we're giving up on the ground. 62.3 yards is what Georgia's defense gives up on the ground. While putting up 430 total, which we talked about just a minute ago, what we were looking like in that, which was good. But the dogs, outstanding, elite defense. That's all there is to it. But anyways, what did we talk about last week? We got to contain Will Levis. We did that. He rushed the ball. What? What did I say? Ten times for a hundred and, or not for a hundred for twelve yards, something like that. Seemed like the number was right. Let me look back. Ten rushes, twelve yards. Yeah. So we contained him. We did a great job at that. 
We've got to stop the run and limit the deep passes. Guess what? We stopped the run. They only ran the ball for 51 yards. The leading SEC rusher rushed the ball for seven yards. Behind him was Cavazier Smoke with five touches, 14 yards. They could not run the ball on us. And I, I knew coming into this game that the only way that Georgia was going to win that game, or excuse me, that the only way Kentucky could win the game is if they ran the ball. Guess what? They tried to run the ball. It didn't work. Didn't work for them at all. The only time they scored was twice, unfortunately. We're going to talk about that last one. But they only scored twice, and it was both through the air. The first time, I'll give it to them. They, they pushed all the way down to the one-yard line and had a really wild trick play where they tossed it, I think, to the tight end on the right side, who ended up beating us. you got to give him his credit where his credit's due as far as that goes because it was just a good play. Good play calling. They kept things kind of sideways all game. They kept throwing in a bunch of little trick plays here and there, and occasionally it worked, like that touchdown pass there. It worked. He was wide open. Other times it didn't. I'm going to tell you what, N'Kobe Dean, the way that he bust through a couple of plays and stopped some plays that could have been really big for Kentucky, outstanding. The dude did his job for sure. We've got to limit the deep passes. We did it. I don't think they threw a ball over 15 yards the entire game. If I'm incorrect, I remember looking back at it, and I, I don't remember ever seeing a ball go over the top. I don't, I don't think there was ever even a ball that went over the top that was incomplete. Again, I could be wrong. I could be remembering incorrectly. That's that's very well possible, but dogs did their job. Even though the secondary was thin, Brini did his job. Lewis Seen back there did his job. So I'm proud of the way the Georgia defense went. Again, 192 yards through the air, 51 on the ground. Held them to 16 first downs. And let me talk about that for a second. We hold them to 16 first downs in this game. Kentucky had the ball 37 minutes and 47 seconds. That's 7 minutes and 47 seconds over half of the game. Georgia, 22 minutes and 13 seconds is how long the dogs had the ball. Kentucky had the ball that much longer. You're talking about basically 15 minutes longer, an entire quarter longer than Georgia did. And, and, and Kentucky still lost the game. At the time, should have been 30-7. to seven. We're going to get to that, though. They held the ball basically the entire fourth quarter, and Georgia still beat them. By 17 points. The dogs are elite. The defense is elite. The offense is driving the ball like you're supposed to. We did end up with three sacks on the night. Eight of them tackles for loss uh, in this one. And the cool thing, too, we blocked a field goal that they went to kick. I think it was maybe third quarter, I believe, if I remember correctly. And then at the end of the game, when Mark Stoops so nicely decided he wanted to uh, call timeout with about four seconds left and score on Georgia's defense one last time. We decided, okay, well, if you're going to do that, we're at least going to block your PAT, and we did that. That was cool to see. There were a couple of times where I thought we were going to end up blocking a punt, too. Didn't, but there were a couple of times I thought that might happen. Quay Walker, he leads it. Nine tackles. Keely Ringo, seven tackles and a sack. Jalen Carter, have yourself a night. Six tackles, one sack, two and a half tackles for loss. Let's talk about that last second. I almost don't even want to. But we'll talk about it. Let's talk about the last second touchdown that our guy Mark Stoops decided that he wanted to, for whatever reason, make happen in this game. Why? I don't know. I'm not really sure why Mark Stoops decides to take his last time out and try to score. On Maybe that was it. Maybe he his whole thought process is, hey, no team's able to score multiple times against Georgia offensively. I want to be the team that does that even though I'm down at the time, 
We're going to get to the picks in a minute. I'm down at the time by 23 points, and I'm going to score again. The spread on this one, I think, dropped all the way down to like 21 and a half. I saw it at times at 22. I think I put it in the pick sheet at 23. But decides to go all the way down and score at the end of the game. I will say this, watching him, the way that they, you know, they, they put him on the screen at the end of that one, watching his face, you could tell when he called the timeout with like three or four seconds left, you could tell he's kind of looking at Kirby Smart, and he's got a little grin on his face. And I'm thinking, you're down by 23 points, and you take a timeout at the end of this game to try to put a touchdown in the end zone to prove a point that you can score again on Georgia's defense. So instead of losing by 23, now you're just going to lose by 17, obviously because Georgia blocks that field goal. To say aggravated, mm, I was a little aggravated. I was a little aggravated. And it doesn't have anything to do with the picks. It just has everything to do with the fact that he did it. Now, Georgia's defense, again, inches makes champions, and that inch was about how far we needed to be able to stop them from scoring against us. And it was that close. That close. If you replay it and you watch the replay, the ball is probably only about that far, that far, from being in the end zone. That's that's how far it was in across the line, I guess you could say, when you really look at the replay and the way that it did it. Because I thought there for a second we stopped them. Now, they, did, they, they had great play calling all game long. That's the reason they were able to score twice against Georgia. But that last second one, mark my words to this, when Georgia plays Kentucky next year, I don't think Kirby Smart holds anything back. I don't care if Kentucky's ranked or Kentucky ain't won a game by the time that rolls around. Georgia and Mark or Mark Georgia and Kirby Smart are going to roll Kentucky for what they did at the end of this game because everybody's going to remember that. You got a lot of young guys who are still going to be on the team next year who's going to remember what happened Saturday at the end of that game. Right now, I'm I'm fired up because it's Gator Hate Week. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm fired up to see us play Kentucky next year. And that's a long way down the road, but I hope we beat the brakes off of them. I hope we double it. I hope it's 60-13 to 13 by the end of that one. And they want to score at the end of that game too, just to give you something to talk about coming into next year. Because that right there whew, fired me up a little bit, just to say the least. The Dogs, three sacks, eight tackles for loss. We talked about it. Your leaders, Quay Walker, nine tackles, three solos. Keely Ringo, seven, five solo tackles. Did have the sack on the night. Nicobe Dean, seven tackles. Four of those were solo. One was a tackle for loss. And that tackle for loss came in that huge play with a pass to the outside. I think it was to Chris Rodriguez. He bust through not one, not two, but three. And they all looked like linemen on the left side with a little screen, a little bubble screen to the side. He bust through all three of them and tackles them for a loss in wide open space. Had he not made that tackle, Kentucky might have scored on that one. But he did his job, stayed at home, and made it happen. Darian Kendrick, seven tackles, three for loss, or three solos. Dan Jackson, the exact same, seven for three. That dude's showing up and showing out. Kendrick also had two pass deflections. He was playing deep there as well. Lewis seen six tackles, four solos, one of those a tackle for loss. We talked about Jalen Carter. Adam Anderson, have yourself a night, too. Six tackles, three of those were solo, half a sack, half of that being tackle for loss. Trayvon Walker right there with him with five and that other half. Nolan Smith, four. Tackles, one solo, half a sack. Devontae Wyatt, three tackles, one solo, one tackle for a loss. Channing Tindall, four tackles, one solo. What a great game. I was looking to see if I saw what, uh, if our big guy, yeah, Jordan Davis had three tackles on the night. 
what a great game. I think I heard at one point that Georgia right now, I think, leads with like 25, is it 25 sacks? Leads the SEC right now with 25 sacks on the season. I believe that's correct. And if that's right, it's, it's number one in the SEC. I know that. Let me look back at it here defensively. Sacks on the season. Nicobe Dean has got three and a half on the season. Adam Anderson has five. Nola Smith has two and a half. Quay Walker has one. Jalen Carter, two and a half. Jordan Davis, one and a half. Two and a half, Trayvon Walker, Devonta. Anyways, we've got like 25. I think we started the game with 21 or 22, something like that, and ended up with three more. So I think it ended at 25, still leading the SEC in sacks. And they, they came over and said it. 18 total players, 18 players have accounted for a sack in this season. 18 different guys. I don't know if you know this, but only 11 are on defense at a time. 18 guys have had them. And I'll name them off. Why not? we got time here. Channing Tindall, N'Kobe Dean, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith, Quay Walker, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo, Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, Robert Beal, Zion Logue, Nazir Stackhouse. I don't know if I called out 18 guys there or not. I, I, I lost count. But, hey, the dogs are doing their job. Looking mighty good at it. It would be really nice if there was actually like a little deal down there. This is also the first game. This is not defensively, but Jackpot had a record going for consecutive uh, consecutive PATs and actually missed one in this one. That's why it wasn't 31 uh, to 13. But what a great game. Great game for the dogs. Was glad to see it. Proud of them. For doing it looking at the upcoming games obviously is florida hate week we got two weeks to hate on them before we actually get to it i put this on twitter but i fully expect the dogs to put up over 600 yards in this game i think we're gonna throw the ball jt i got a feeling it's gonna be fired up ready to get back and this is not a knock on stetson because a lot of people think that stetson maybe he should stay in there at quarterback maybe i don't know maybe we'll see but i think jt's gonna sit back get his rest a little bit more this week and he's gonna be fired up ready to go for the week for the week of florida and I think Georgia's going to roll Florida. The way that I've seen Florida play this week, giving up almost 40, what did they give up, 49 points to LSU. And I saw this stat too. Georgia has only given up 46 total points all season long. And Florida gave up 49 just to LSU this past weekend. Which, by the way, Ed O, we talked about this last week after losing Kentucky. I figured he'd lose his job. He didn't. But he beats Florida. Now they come out with he won't be here at the end of the 2022 season or the end of this season, start of 2022, which I talked about maybe on this show. It may have been on the SEC show. But Ed O will be no more at the end of the season. Kind of weird to see that happen after he beats Florida. At the time, a ranked team. And now, that's gone. Also, what I talked about was it's going to be five consecutive games of Georgia playing a ranked team. Well, guess what? Florida's not ranked anymore. Florida's out of the top 25, so that goes to the wayside. But I, I really do think that Georgia coming up, it's going to put over 600 yards. JT, I think, is going to throw for 300 to 350 in that game. I think the offense is going to come alive. But I also think the ground game inside of that offense is going to put up like 300 yards. I think this is going to be the first game we finally see one, maybe even two running backs get 100 yards in that game because I really feel like that's coming because Florida's defense is terrible, terrible. 
And Dan Mullen still doesn't know who wants to be his quarterback. Still putting Richardson in there to see if he's going to be the guy or not or stick with Emory. But then you got Mizzou the week after that, Tennessee after that, who's looking good. But Tennessee, absolute trash. We're going to talk about it in the games coming up. Charleston Southern and then Tech to end it out. I almost put in there instead of actually putting Florida's name next week, I almost put those guys because who wants to see those guys. Hey, Glad to see it. Only one team left in the SEC under eight, undefeated, and it is the number one Georgia Bulldogs. So glad to see that. Let's talk about some of the games around the country uh, before we jump out of here. Here we go. We got some big ones, too. I was glad to see football this weekend, and we had some huge ones. We had top teams in the country go down. We had some other teams that didn't. Some other teams who surprised which we're going to get into. Let's start it off on Friday. Oregon struggling with California, but they get it done by a touchdown. It took two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to end up winning this one by a touchdown, 24-17. to That's the reason they dropped a little bit in the ranking. San Diego State struggling with San Jose State, but they pull it off again by six points. Took 13 in overtime for them to end up doing a double overtime. Then we get to Saturday. Purdue. Taking down number two, Iowa, 24-7. to I saw a tweet from Purdue's, maybe it was the football team, it was hilarious. It said, uh, man, we beat the number two out of Iowa. <laughs> and they did, 24-7. to My goodness, rolling the number two team in the country who they thought it. We thought they may have a reason to be there, but that defense did not show up in this one. Purdue's did, though. Iowa struggled mightily in that game again, falling 24-7. to Cincinnati continues to roll. That's the reason they're the number two team in the country, 56-21 over UCF. Oklahoma, TCU, Spencer Rattler's out, Caleb Williams in. They're putting it up a lot of yards, but Oklahoma, we've been talking about them for this. They don't have a defense. They still don't have one. They still give up 31 points to TCU. They do win 52-31, to though. So they are number three. Alabama, thought this could be a game that they could struggle a little bit because it is possible, especially when you play a team in Mississippi State who is at their house. You just played at Florida and struggled. You played it. Texas A&M has struggled and lost. Playing at Mississippi State, no struggle in this one. They rolled on 49-9, beating Mississippi State by 40. Bryce Young, 20 for 28, almost 400 yards, four touchdowns. Roydell Williams ended up being the leading rusher in this one. Seven, 78 yards, John Mechie, 117 yards and a touchdown. Michigan State just a squeak by Indiana, 20 to 15. And I told you, Indiana's not a team to sleep on. It only took five points. Five points was the difference in that one for a top-10 team playing them. Oklahoma State, I talked about this one. We'll get, we'll get to the picks review here in just a little bit. 32-24, to 24, Oklahoma State does take down Texas. They're calling it an upset. I'm not. Oklahoma State was ranked higher than Texas, and I didn't think Texas is all that good in Oklahoma State. Even after Texas beats uh, or lets Oklahoma State come back on them, I guess, last week, or Oklahoma, not Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has looked good all year to me. They're still undefeated. 4-0, I guess now, or 3-0 in the Big 12. And they continue to look good. And I think Oklahoma State could be a team to watch out for by the end of this year. Again, they've taken down Texas 32-24. to Ole Miss, Tennessee, I'm going to save that one for a second. Auburn, Arkansas, Arkansas. They had so much hope. I tweeted this. Georgia broke Clemson because they, they have gone completely to the wayside. Could have lost to Syracuse on Friday night. Just did squeak by that one. Now they've broken Arkansas. Arkansas is on a skid right now. What is that, three-game losing streak? They lose to Georgia after beating Texas, after beating Texas A&M. They lose to Georgia, lose to Ole Miss, and lose to Auburn. Three games straight. Come into that one 4-0 against Georgia and just three straight. Falling to Auburn. Auburn in the top 25, Arkansas out. 
38-23. Auburn rolls on in that one. Utah upsets number 18, Arizona State, 35-21. Baylor upsets number 19, BYU, 38-24. That's a back-to-back losing games for BYU. Also, they were in the top 10 at the 10 spot last week when they lost, and then they're in still in the top 20 at 19, falling to Baylor, 38-24. Baylor now in the top 25. Undefeated in their uh, conference and 6-1 and one on the season. Florida falling to LSU. <laughs> Uh, LSU 49, Florida 42. Anthony Richardson, 167 yards, three touchdowns. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They fall to LSU, and it didn't take anybody throwing a shoe to make that one happen. Wow. Love to see it. Between Georgia winning, the Braves winning, and LSU losing, I mean, Florida losing, you got to love it. A&M, they rolled Missouri just like we anticipated, 35-14. to NC State takes down Boston College, 33-7. to That's the top games. Around the country, let's go back to that number 13, Ole Miss versus Tennessee. What in the world, Tennessee? What in the world? Tennessee, with right at a minute left to play, gets a bad call. I say a bad call. They called the guy about, I don't know, half a yard short of a first down on a fourth down play. Half a yard short. It was a great play. Tennessee almost converted to get the first down and to continue the drive with under a minute to play. And at the time, Tennessee had all three of their timeouts. Now, there's under a minute to play. You hadn't really stopped Ole Miss all that much, which I guess technically you have because right now usually Ole Miss has got about 60 points on the board. But so does Tennessee. Both offenses are really good. The over-under on this one was like, at the time that I looked at it, it was like 82.5, almost 83 points. And this one much lower than that. But under a minute to play, all three of you timeouts, Tennessee, gets a bad call. All the fans start throwing trash on the field. Throwing trash on the field. All the Ole Miss players had to come off of the sideline. Lane Kiffin was out there playing golf with somebody. Some guy forgot his mustard on the field that he needed for his hot dog. I mean, they're throwing all kind of stuff on the field. The band had to leave the stands and go into shelter. The cheerleaders all had to leave the sideline and take cover. Because people were throwing stuff at them. What class, Tennessee? What? what? I mean, I, you shouldn't think anything else. I mean, they used to carry a trash can around the sideline. So, I mean, it's really not all that abnormal. But it makes me a little curious how that's going to go when Georgia has to travel to Tennessee in a couple weeks. I don't know. I saw where Greg Sankey, he did actually put something out that they are in talks to figure out what the penalty is going to be for Tennessee. <sighs> Just classless, classless, ridiculous. Ole Miss ends up winning at 31-26. Crazy thing is, at the end of this game, Tennessee had a chance. They had all the chance in the world. They stopped Ole Miss, got the ball back, drove all the way down to to within field goal range, but that didn't matter. They needed a touchdown. Tennessee burns all their timeouts, and unfortunately, Hendon Hooker gets hurt. You have to bring in Joe Milton, the guy that you can't really rely on. Well, guess what? He was successful to start and still put you in a position to win. As time starts to expire, he's running around. I'm thinking, all right, you got to throw this ball. He starts to run up the sideline with three seconds left. What are, you, what are you doing? That's the reason he's not the starter. It's the end of the game. There's three seconds left. He's running around, looks up, sees there's zeros on the clock. He can't throw it to anybody because he's past the, the marker. And he just runs out of bounds. What are you doing? <laughs> I love it for Tennessee, though. How great, how great was that? What a great game. What a great game. All right, we'll talk a little bit about some of the Twitter stuff. 
Yeah, here we go. Back into it. Did the little bit of predictions for the week. Nobody ended up hitting it. One guy got like, I think one guy said 30 to 14. Another guy said 31 to 14. So those are two as close as it got to be in that 30 to 13. What a great game, though. A lot of close content on that. So no shout out to that. I picked it 41 to 6. Didn't happen. Georgia could have scored a couple of time, couple more times. And next year, I guarantee you they will uh, coming into that one. I do want to look back at some of the stuff we talked about because I did put up polls last week. We're going to run through those and see where we fared in our polls from this past week. Let me get them pulled up here. How are those blocked field goals for the dogs? God, that was awesome. All right, looking at the polls. Darnell Washington, did he get any touchdowns? 0-1, to 2-3. to three. 74% of you guys went to 0-1. to one. He didn't end up getting that, unfortunately. So, 0 is the answer. The leading rusher, James Cook, Zamir White, Kendall Milton. 68% go with Zamir White. Technically, if you want to look at it from a touchdown point, he did because he's the only one with a touchdown on the night. But James Cook did end up with the most yardage on the ground. So 68% Zamir, 20% with James Cook, 12% Kendall. Uh, Stetson, throwing for more than 225 yards or less than 225 yards uh, in this game. 63% of you guys go with more than 225. 37% go with 225 less. Let's see, and what did what did Stetson end up with? 250. How about that? So it's more than more than two. So that's 63%. We'll go with that one. Leading receiver: Brock Bowers, Lab McConkey, Darnell Washington, or somebody else. 32% with Brock Bowers, 40% with Lad, 4% with Darnell, and somebody else gets 24%. Ends up being Brock Bowers. So 32% of you guys nailed that one right on the head. Sacks versus Kentucky: zero to two, nine percent; three to four, ninety-one percent; and five plus get zero percent. Ends up three, so that three got 91% right on. Interceptions, fumbles, oddly, no turnovers in this game. We had zero to one with 14%. Two to three took the 86%. Four plus didn't get any votes in this one. So ends up being zero. That 14% goes with it. Leading tackler versus Kentucky, N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall, Adam Anderson, or Jordan Davis was the vote. I almost put in there somebody else, but I decided not to uh, unless I put it below it. Yeah, I didn't. Eddie Moore, you're on there. All of the above. I like that. Because they all did get in on the action, but I think it ends up being, uh, Lord, now I'm blanking on who it was. Yeah, completely blanking. So, unfortunately, it ends up not being any of those guys. Um, but I was excited. This is one thing I wanted to talk about that I, I should have talked about kind of coming into this game. And this was, I didn't realize just how, how lucky Kentucky had been getting before coming into this. They started the season against UL Monroe, won 45-10. Normal. Then they played Missouri. A team who just got blown out by Texas A&M, a team who's been getting blown out all season. They only beat them by a touchdown, 35-28. to 28. Let's move forward to Chattanooga. And this is why I ended up putting it at 41-6 to 6, that I figured the dogs were going to roll. They beat Chattanooga by five points, 28-23. to 23. South Carolina, who struggled to beat Vandy, 21-20 to 20 this past weekend, they beat South Carolina by six, 16 to 10 a team that Georgia dismissed. Florida, they did beat them by a touchdown. We're going to see. That, that matchup will be here in just a minute. 20-13, to 13, only beat them by a touchdown. They did take take care of LSU, who just took care of Florida, 42-21, to 21, and then they fall to the dogs, 30-13. to 13. So I thought that was kind of a wild thing. Kind of a wild thing. Again, a lot of back and forth on that controversy with if JT Daniels would be coming back, how you guys would feel about it. <clears throat> I also really agree with this. We've got to do something about these fake 
injuries. I, I, I don't know what you can do. I don't know how because injuries do happen, and real injuries we shouldn't penalize, but these fake injuries that continue to happen, and it didn't happen so much in the Georgia-Kentucky game, but watching Ole Miss and Tennessee at the end of the night, it happened left and right, left and right. And I hated to see that, but we got to do something about it. This is where I came up, up to this, and I really believe this. Florida gave up 321 rushing yards to LSU. 321. If you don't think Georgia can put up at least that, you lost your mind. I, I really do think we have two dogs rushing for over 100 yards against Florida next week. I'm looking forward to that. And just like that, Kentucky was a basketball school again. <laughs> That's funny. Lane Kiffin with his golf ball. Yeah. That's pretty much going to wrap it up there. Again, Edo, unfortunately, losing his job there. Ah, I know what I was going to pull back up for you guys. Before we jumped out of here too quick, I didn't want to pull the picks back up from this weekend. Here it is. Let's start at the bottom. Oklahoma State plus 5.5, boom, that hit. Texas A&M minus 9, boom, that hit. Ole Miss minus 2.5, boom, that hits. Georgia minus 23 again. By the time we played this one, I think it was down to like 21.5. And, and Georgia had it covered. Had it covered until that last second touchdown by Kentucky. And I am convinced, just like John Tweet Sports, I'm convinced Mark Stoops had some money on that spread. Had to have because that's what that, that, that was the difference in it. Again, for my 23, it wouldn't have mattered. But in the end, being like 21 and a half, that would have mattered. So that's the only one I lose on. So I got three and one this week. I'll take it. I'll take it in a situation that really Georgia should have ended up winning by 23. So that would have been a push in the end. Again, whatever, whatever. It is what it is, right? In the end, again, dogs blocked two field goals. That was awesome. Awesome to see. Glad to see it. Let me run through and just make sure I got everything down before I close this bad mama jamma out because I don't, I don't want to miss out on anything. I think that's going to wrap us up. Again, I really appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at DogTalk20. Go check out the website, DogTalkPod.com. I'm looking forward to it. I will be back at the end of this week. Even though we don't have a game this weekend, we got two weeks to talk trash against Florida uh, coming up, and I'm looking forward to that. I'll check in on you guys later on this week. Go dogs. <laughs>